Phone Check. Episode 74. We are back, we are back, we are back. Um, am I turning down the volume? Yes, I am. ATP Podcast, Episode 74. Seven's my favorite number, so I feel like we're in a good space right now. Um, 77 should be our special something episode, but uh, it's me, Jay, in the building, and the legendary Coach Figaroa. Um, what is this week to you, man? I feel like tennis is like quiet right now. It's quiet, but Indian Wells is here basically, so it's quiet and loud because right. I feel like in the world of tennis, it feels quiet, but for us. San Diego Open was two hours from here. Right. Just finished. Indian Wells is 25 minutes, 30 minutes from here, and it's just starting. It's, it's, we're, we're in the, the tour is right next door right now. Right. Uh, it's very interesting. Uh, where are we starting today? How are you feeling? What's new with you? Uh, everything's good, and we're just going to get to the tennis news. First of all, we're going to talk about the champions. In Chicago, we had Muguruza win in Chicago. Okay, good, good. We ha- in um, in Bulgaria we had Sinner win. That was a a final against Gail Monfi, right? Correct. Did you see the little stat they posted about Gail Monfi? I did not. Um, they said there's only three or four players on the in like uh, history who have been in an ATP final. Since the year 2005, at least one a oh, year. Oh, that's right. I did see that. And yeah. that was uh, Monfils. Yeah. yeah, Monfils was next to, I think it was Djokovic, Nadal, Monfils, and there was one more. I can't remember who the other one was. but Yeah, yeah that was pretty big. Yeah, he's only next to legend. So right. that, that shows his longevity. Yeah, and then Sinner was saying, uh, stay around. We need you in tennis, stuff along those lines. Mm-hmm. And then the San Diego Open champion is our boy, Gaspar <sighs> Rudd. Your boy. Now, it's it's a 250 event. So you'd say it's not a super big deal. But the caliber that was there this year was yeah, huge. That was a 500 event. So for Casper Rudd to win it was huge. So congratulations to them. I want to say that was that was a... For, for me, it's one of those... You have to... Now you have to respect him. Right. You know, like before you could say, oh, he's a clay specialist. Oh, he's a grinder. He came to California, played a hardcore tournament against shot makers. Right. And he won the tournament. So he has my respect. I'm not a fan. And he is now either nine or eight. So he could be going to the year ending tournament. Wow. So he's I mean, it's right around the corner. So, yes, he's just got to maintain his momentum. Yep. Wow. Impressive. Yes. And now we're going to start with the news. Radakanya news, as a matter of fact. Mm. Now, the U.S. Open outfit that she wore at the U.S. Open will now be displayed in the Hall of Fame. Mm. Because she's the wild card winner. She was a wild card and then she won. Not the wild card, sorry. She went through qualifiers and won the U.S. Open. So she's the first qualifier at the U.S. Open to qualify and then win the U.S. Open. Mm. so what are your thoughts on that do you think that her outfit should be in the hall of fame i don't really understand the the outfit being such a thing in the equation um if i remember correctly she was just wearing red red and blue right 
Yeah, I mean, the outfit was super plain. Yeah. Nike has done way better outfits than that. Yeah. As a matter of fact, she sort of looked like a cheerleader. Yeah, she. you know what? She looked like she was playing for a very prestigious high school. That's what her outfit looked like to me. A high school that had a nice budget. Um, but it's just, I mean, let's let's be real here. We said this last week. We could say it again. She, she did something incredible. Right. Um, I mean... To win a qualifier and then win the tournament is ridiculous. So, I mean, if whatever hair tie she had on, put that in the Hall of Fame too. Sure, why not? You know, because what she did was that amazing that, I mean, those those things she was wearing are just pieces of time. You know, it's a symbol. So, I get what they're trying to do. Yeah. And now a follow-up story to what happened last week. She is now, she is being coached by a former English tennis pro he actually played in the professional tour he wasn't really super known but she is going to make her real coaching job she's going to make the decision right before the australian open now here's my question she's gone through three coaches in less than three months she went through a coach at wimbledon when she had the anxiety Mm. she just fired her uh coach when she was a young child and not childhood coach Mm. and now this guy but he's not going to stay there for long it's only temporary Mm. what are your thoughts do you think that's a bad image on her just going through coaches that way um seeing instability this this reminds me of a player we know all too well who uh the early phases of her major successes we saw a lot of turmoil in her camp and that was naomi osaka um i'm hoping that these similar patterns don't have a similar result she's very young and i attribute a lot of this to that you know she's i mean i I hate to pull the teenager card but her brain's still developing you know she's she's still learning a lot about herself and what she really wants and life is probably moving faster than it ever has for her so obviously she's unstable and that's probably translating into her camp as well so I can only hope that eventually things come to a slowdown and then she stabilizes. I mean, she isn't the first or the last to be in this position, and I do like her game. So, you know, hopefully she finds a coach and they they mix perfectly. Yeah, it, it sort of looks a little bad. It does. Uh, three months, three separate coaches. Yeah, there's no stability there. Mm. Uh, people, coaches could probably just be thinking, why do I want to coach her? She's going to fire me right away. So it's sort of a bad look, but hopefully she gets her head on together and maybe in 2022, she's going to say, all right, this is what I'm looking for. Let's go. Mm-hmm. So <clears throat> moving on, is women's tennis more popular than men? Well, according to ESPN in the final between Fernandez and Raducanu, the viewership, the viewership peaked at 3.4 million viewers Mm -hmm. which was the highest in the recording of this year's u.s open even higher than djokovic and medvedev Mm -hmm. and as a matter of fact the osaka victoria azarenka final from last year this drew 37 percent more viewership than last year's final wow what are your thoughts do you think that women's tennis is more popular than men's um, I'll say this in the 
in the last few months, I feel like the narratives and storylines of women's tennis have been more spectacular. We witnessed history, you know, incredible history. I'm glad it broke a few uh, records for the, the season because she broke records for the history of tennis. So well-deserved. I think that men's tennis is, I mean, the stakes are only high when something's at stake. You know, there is, there's no true story in that final to me outside of Djokovic. You know, the viewership can't peak if he's down the whole time, you know. If it would have went to a fifth set, I think viewership would have been different for the Djokovic match. But because he lost in straight sets, it's an underwhelming match. You know, it's just the facts. The The narrative was Djokovic might come back, and there was never a moment where he really came back. So that's part of it. And, you know, the only big story of the whole year in men's tennis was, will Djokovic get the calendar slam or the golden slam? That was it. There are no other major storylines this year. With women's tennis, there's the Naomi Osaka stories, the Fernandez stories, the Raducanu stories, the return of Kim Clijsters, uh, what's going to happen with uh, Barty. Serena Williams, too. Serena Williams, Barty. Yeah. I mean, it's a long list of great stories where we want to know what's going to happen. So, in my opinion, I've enjoyed the WTA's drama more than the men's tennis. For me, men's tennis is just, will anyone stop Djokovic? Again, you know, that's really it. So, until the Olympics, there was no story. Or that was the only story. And then after the Olympics, the story kind of came to a fizzle out. Yeah, uh, I was actually shocked because Djokovic is going for history. So, for the viewership to be that underwhelming is actually shocking. Now, that could be one of two things, as you stated. He didn't come forward mm-hmm. or nobody really cares about Djokovic to begin with. I think it's a mix of both. I really do. I think that people respect Djokovic. I don't think people love Djokovic. Right. People are not passionate about his success, and I don't think people believed he was going to lose. So it was probably a mix of both statements. And then to, to prove another point, when Serena Williams was going for her Grand Slam, she won uh, Wimbledon, Australia, and uh, the French Open, mm. and then she lost in the semis to Vinci. Mm. And then the final was uh, Flavia Panetta and Benji. You know who the final that year for the U.S. Open was for the men? Wasn't it uh, Federer and who was the other one? Nadal. Federer and Nadal. The, the ticket sales for the women's final sold out pre-tournament. Yep. And then it's Federer and Nadal in the final of the U.S. Open. They still have tickets available. So that could maybe prove as well that women's tennis is pretty up, pretty popular. Star power. I think that the world's most famous tennis player is Serena Williams. Yes. You know, um, and the hottest commodity might be Naomi Osaka up until this year. So women's tennis is doing it. Yeah, I can see that 100%. Moving on, Labor Cup news. Now, <laughs> Nadal reached out to Federer and said, and he uh, reached out to him on Instagram, and he was trying to tell him, let's try to play doubles one more time in the O2 Arena in England. That's where the Labor Cup is going to be next year. Mm. And we can make a nice little team and play against Team World. 
What are your thoughts? Do you think that they can play together? Do you think they'll be healthy enough to play together? This is my thoughts. These guys are on their way out the door. If they're trying to hype up something a year from now, they're both going, look, man, my knees hurt. One more time for the old time, you know? <laughs> um, that makes me a little sad that they're that now they're kind of doing the plot and scheming gimmicky promo like that, that they both are kind of saying, I got one good run left in me, so let's go out with the bang. But on the flip side, I don't think they're a great doubles team. That's a hot take of it's mine. It's just the star power, to yeah, tell you the it's truth. it's just star power. They don't work that well together. You know, I like Federer with Stan Wawrinka more than I like Federer with Nadal as far as doubles go. I can see that 100%. Uh, and I like Nadal with Mark Lopez oh, more yeah, than Federer with Nadal. Now, that would be a match right yeah, there. You yeah, you know, so I'm, I'm not blown away by this, but obviously I would love to see it. You know, that's like you said. Name a bigger star power match, you know? It sounds insane, so I would love to watch it. Yeah, he was even hinting that even if there was retirement, that they can still play together. Mm -hmm. It is an exhibition. Right. So it would be interesting. Now, here's something even more interesting. Again, it's going to be in the O2 uh, Arena in England. Mm -hmm. So Andy Murray said, I would like to play Labor Cup. Wow. What are your thoughts on that? It's going to be on home soil. So what are your thoughts? Is that a hot take? That makes me... Look, if Murray, Fetter, and Nadal are there, I will go. I'll be there. Let's go. Okay. Let's go. Yeah, that's amazing. And you know what's funny? Murray is a great doubles player. Oh, yeah. He's a good doubles player. So, yeah, if they... If Team World... Man, Team World's in trouble again. Oh, yeah. That makes me sad. But nonetheless... I would love to see that. I would love to see Murray at Labor Cup. I think that that should have happened this year. So I'm excited for it. Okay, fair enough. Moving on, Djokovic news. Now this one's a little touchy. The Australian Open, the uh, <clears throat> Australia is actually forcing vaccination now. They're basically saying if you're not vaccinated, you can't play. They're trying to uh, make that happen. Are they trying to stop uh, Djokovic from getting number 21 or what? So that's the take. You know, yeah. they're trying to say, hey, you have to be vaccinated to come into the country now. Mm-hmm. So it's not for sure yet, but it's it's supposedly getting really, really close. Wow. Now, Djokovic is anti-vax and Stefano Sissipas is anti-vax. So what are your thoughts? Do you think that Djokovic should get vaccinated or do you think that, forget it, let, let me just wait until the French Open. If I'm Djokovic, I get the vaccine. Um, he's we're talking he's not going to be the favorite at the French in my opinion he'll be one of the favorites but he's not the favorite he is the undisputed undeniable favorite at the Australian Open the odds are like 86% that he takes the Australian Open if he refuses to go to that and wants to gamble on French Open Wimbledon and US Open all over again we might really witness a 2020-20 ending to professional tennis. You know, it, it becomes far less far-fetched. Um, I hope that's not the case, but, you know, Stefano Sissipa is an incredible Australian Open player, too. Yes. He beat Federer there. That was the first time I really saw him and, like, remembered his name. So both of those guys are big-time uh, 
big chips. They're big chips when it comes to playing at the Australian. If either of them doesn't show up, that changes the entire tournament. Yeah. Uh, this is, they, they're both anti-vax. So I don't want to get too deep into the political side, mm. but everybody has a choice. Mm. Now, we, they've, they've been trying to push it in the ATP and WTA side to where people need to be vaccinated. Andy Murray has stated many times people need to get vaccinated mm. and they're trying to make it, the governing body is trying to make it to where if they're not vaccinated, they can't travel. Mm. So, you know, again, people have their choice, but Djokovic, I think you're, you nailed it in the head. He's the favorite in the Australian Open, mm. and it would be sort of dumb for him not to go to his own tournament. Yeah. Stefano Sissipas is getting better at the French Open. They've played twice. They've been really close battles with Djokovic. Nadal's their Dominic team, mm. who, by the way, he said that he will not need surgery on his wrist, so he'll be ready for 2022. Or, yeah, 2022. If he plays, he's he's going to be favored over Djokovic if he's at top peak. Yeah. So it's not beneficial for him not to play at the Australian Open. Yeah. So that's my opinion. Moving on, Nadal breaks records. Now Nadal is getting close to, he's not getting close, close, but he's dropping because he hasn't been playing. Yeah. But he had, he is the most consecutive days at the top 10 mm. right now. More than Djokovic, more than Federer. Mm -hmm. He's he broke that record right now. What are your thoughts on the longevity of Rafael Nadal? Um, this is a guy who <laughs> this might be the first year where he lost this many clay points. Um, undeniable longevity, an incredible game, and we all thought that his body would have broke down five years ago. You know, so I think that he'll stay in the top ten. I think that he'll return to the tour just in time. You know, there's only a few tournaments left in the year. Hopefully, he can protect his ranking and extend the record. But, you know, these records that we're watching slowly fizzle out and come to ends, we will never see them broken, I don't think, you know, for an extremely, extremely long time. Yeah, so, that's true. You know, I mean, not only because of what they, what they did was so incredible, but because how many consecutive years you have to be in the top 10 to even compete with the record. You have to be, you know, like, so, for example, we have a few incredible players right now, but they're all in their mid-20s, low-20s. They would have need to start maintaining these records when they were 19. Right. You know, so it, it's pretty insane what uh, Nadal's accomplished, and, you know, I'm impressed. He spent 836 weeks in a row in the top 10. In a row. In a row. He's been in the top 10 since 2005. 6,000 consecutive days in the top 10. He's from the golden era. So the I don't need a mental health break era. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> exactly. The last of the Mohicans. So that's what Nadal just accomplished mm. right now. So that is that speaks for his longevity. Incredible. Incredible. And again, uh, Pete Sampras, him, are the only people. Well, there's another person who played in the 60s who won a title in their teens, 20s, and 30s. Mm -hmm. Djokovic didn't do that. Federer didn't do that. Yeah. So Nadal's is a beast. And now we're going to reveal the Indian Wells brackets. Now, there are a couple of matches on the men's side that are kind of juicy. One of them is Adrian Manorino versus Andy Murray. Now, Adrian Manorino, if you haven't heard 
or don't know who he was. He was the guy that almost beat Feder at the Wimbledon. Mm-hmm. Wim, uh, and uh, he's actually a very tricky player. So Here's and, the flip side to him being a tricky player. He's going against the one big four quote-unquote player right. who grew up playing against his lefty brother. There you go. So yeah. that, that kind of neutralizes it and makes this a different kind of match for sure. both of them. So that'll make this very interesting. I think Andy Murray's going to handle the lefty uh, spin very well. Yeah. And since we mentioned Andy Murray, he was given the wild card into Indian Wells mm-hmm. as well as Kim Kleisters. Woo! So we haven't seen her in a while. She's had problems with her uh, return. She's been, she was supposed to return maybe a year ago, but yeah. there's been problems. So good to see her. The other one that's going to be decent is uh, Vignolas, who's a very consistent top 50 player, versus Musetti. Musetti mm. is an up-and-coming 20-year-old. He was up two sets to nothing on Djokovic and then lost in five mm-hmm. at the French Open. So he's a player. Yeah. So look out for those matches. So now you have the draw. So what do you have? Um, I'll just I'll list off a few random uh, yeah. recognizable names. We do have Del Bonus versus Nishioka. That's a good uh, match. That's a really good match on the men's side. Uh, Jack Sock is playing Millman from Australia. Yes. Or is it? Yes, he's from Australia. Australia. Yes. Yeah. So that'll be a really good match. Uh, a few other ones. Benoit Pair versus Francis Tiafo. Oh, yes. That's a highlight real match. Yeah, so that should be really good. And then as far as the men go, I think that's pretty much the hot first rounds. Um, and from the women, I think there's one or two good first round matches. Uh, let me see. I know Sloan Stevens is playing in the first round. Cornet, Shelby Rogers, but their opponents aren't anyone that stands out. Allison Risk is playing Zhang. For the most part, it looks like uh, the really recognizable names from the women's side. They're playing people that are pretty much off the radar. Okay. So nothing too crazy in the first round for the WTA. But Indian Wells is normally known for having the singles players play doubles. Um, I know Berrettini's playing with center. Oh, nice. So that's going to be nice. And then Jamie Moore, Jamie Murray's playing with uh, Bruno Suarez again. Okay, they're a beast of a yeah, doubles that's team. That's a great yes. team. Um, let me see. Alcaraz is playing with Carreño. Okay. So that's an interesting pair up. Lloyd Harris and Diego Schwartzman. That's an interesting pairing. Get ready for this one. Jack Sock and John Isner are playing together. Whoa. Okay. The All-American big swings. Sam Query and Stevie Johnson are yes. playing together. And they're playing against Diego Schwartzman and Lloyd Harris first round. Wow, what a matchup so, right there. That's a match to watch. Here's this might be my favorite doubles pair up. Rublev and Karetsev. Wow. And guess who they're playing in the first round? Riley Opelka and Alex Diminor. Whoa. That is a crazy first round. Opelka and Diminor are sort of a weird That's a little weird combo, combo you that's know? That's a weird combo. Uh, Hercox is playing with Felix. Oh, that's big. And his first round's against Chapo. Whoa. In doubles. So wow. Interesting. A lot of interesting, good, hot pair-ups on the men's double side. Uh, I'm excited for this. I think it's going to be a really good tournament. Uh, oh, your girl Iga. Iga's Viacek. She's All right. playing with Maddox Sands. Okay, whoa. Random. They, they made it to the French Open final. Oh, you're right. Yes. Oh, wow. Wow, wow, wow. 
Uh, let me see what else we have on the WTA side. Simona Halep is playing doubles uh, with Roos. I don't really know Roos that well. Here's one more really hot one. Fernandez with Coco Goff. That's hot. That's a hot one That's right there. That's hot. So, yeah, that there's... If you wanted to go to an early, early round of Indian Wells this year, go watch doubles. Yes. Because you're going to see absolute all-stars for about 30 bucks. Stadium 3. Stadium 3 playing doubles. And right. You're going to pay $30 to be in the front row. I'm not telling you. I'm not a promoter. I don't get paid by Indian Wells, but wow. Those are good matches. Yeah. yeah. That's incredible. Yeah, I'd be sitting... Uh, watching those matches instead of a, a Medvedev killing somebody in the first round in, exactly. in, in the court one. So, yeah, yeah, that'd be me for sure. So, wow, that, those are really hot matches. So that's it for this week. Um, there wasn't a lot of news, but the Indian Wells is out here, so we'll have more next week. I hope you guys were entertained. ATP, I'll see you in the desert. <laughs>